Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 106. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed author, artist, and game designer, Dirk Stanley. Dirk! Hey, Barney. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you here. And I, we, you know, we're talking, I was showing you earlier, I am a, I am a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an avid fan of the, the Faraway Land role-playing game. I have... I think this is all of them so far, right? I think I got on your your last Kickstarter, right? Do I have them all? It's it's five, or is there? I'm missing. I think uh, I'm you're, missing creature. Yeah, you're missing. You're missing one. You're missing. Uh, I have it right here in front of me. Uh, yeah, Newsaws. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So okay. I'll send you. I'll send you a copy of that. Just let me know. Um, Newsaws was like uh, heavily inspired. I I co-wrote it. Uh, co. I co-wrote it and illustrated it with um, Colin Chapman, who um, was a big influence on that. And he's he was also somebody that like helped out a lot with um, uh, Adventures in the Materiosphere on multiple levels. But right. um, News Oz was like heavily inspired by uh, uh, New Zealand, <laughs> so it has all these like like creatures and and, and characters sort of inspired by uh, elements of New Zealand. Okay. And so do you, as I say, I think, I think it'll be interesting. We, we, we dive in and we, we want to talk a bit about your, um, we want to talk a bit about your, your Kickstarter that just came out and you played, you had a $500 goal and you're at 26 and it's, you've only been doing this for what, two days now already. Yeah. Two days. Wow. Yeah, It's got 27 days left to go. And you have a, you have a, a great fan base of f- f- people who love your faraway land RPG games. You, you, you constantly, and I don't want to, I want to talk to you about this. You, you write, you write it all, you illustrate it all. These are all, and you had all color, full color pictures in here that you illustrate in all your books, yeah. your main book. This is the main book, correct? Right. Yes. And it, it is, is. It's about 300 pages. It's uh, right. it's thick. I, mean, I got, I got, I, I have so many questions. One of them is like, where do you find the time to make 200, 100 page books all the time? You yeah. Know, with, that, with all this stuff. Um, but first, I want to kind of get people to jump into it and just kind of give people a bit of a background of, of what the, what the game universe is. Sure. You set up. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's really largely inspired by, like a lot of it's abstractly inspired by like just stuff from the eighties, um, pop culture, pop culture from the eighties, cartoons from the eighties, commercials from the eighties, music from the eighties, videos from the eighties. Um, there aren't direct references to this, but like my, the eighties to me, in my mind, the eighties, the eighties in my mind was 10 years ago, which I know it wasn't, but, um, it was also this huge (laughs) influence on me. All of the pop culture and all of those elements were things that I just really loved. And um, and I also love like cartoons and animation, and I love quirky stuff. Um, I love sort of dark humor, um, and I also like I like stuff that's just sort of like fun and not really super serious. And so uh, all of that stuff, and and I love role playing too, and and tabletop games and and all of that. So all of that sort of just coalesced and um, into this into this world, which was uh, Faraway Land, with this quirky planet that 
went through this major catastrophe where these invaders came from another world and uh, they were trying to get to this planet. And as they did this, they um, opened up these fissures that basically wrecked uh, the universe and allowed all this stuff in. And um, so the Tome of Awesome, the book uh, that you, you were holding up sort of goes into uh, some detail on that. And then Adventures in the Materiosphere uh, really sort of takes that and expands it out and goes uh, much deeper into that dive of how does this, how does everything get to the, the place that it is? And so really what that was, was just sort of this, uh, I guess, narrative device to explain, here's why there's a bunch of weird stuff going on on this planet. Um, there's all these creatures and stuff, and it's because they came from different, different planets, different points in the universe, different times, uh, different dimensions and that sort of thing. And uh, like I said, it's just that narrative sort of device that allowed me to say, you know what, I can do anything I want with this world now um, and I can expand it however I want. So if I want, I can have a fantasy planet or I can have a primitive planet where people are just like, you know, banging on each other with bones or I can have a uh, hyper -techno technologically advanced planet. It just allows me to like sort of throw whatever I want into the into the faraway land mix. And so. I, so I got to ask you too, when it comes to this from the from the world building perspective on here, what are you know I, we uh, we think about the whole point of creating the physics of your world in the sense of you know like George Lucas says, all right, in my world there is sound and space. What are what are some of those? Do you have any things where there's like a very specific, you know, uh, far away universe, far away far away land thing that is like from a physics perspective that just always exists that can't be swayed in any specific way in that world building perspective? Yeah. So that's actually like a really cool question. I love that. Like George Lucas is totally cool with sound and space. Cause I'm totally cool with sound and space too. It's like, whatever, whatever you've got to do to like get the person immersed in there. I know that breaks immersion for some people. Hmm. Um, I think the big thing, like, I think the big thing with anything, any universe that you're creating is sort of to stick to the uh, system of physics that you've created. And if you break that, then you break immersion for the person. And like right. I said, I think with far away land, like I made the, I made that so broad that like, it gives me a lot of like leeway and in, in like, if I break, if, are there rules that I break or can I just do sort of whatever, whatever I want. Um, but one of those one of those pieces that you were talking about, like a specific piece of world building, I think would be in adventures in the material uh, in material sphere. The way that space travel works is, I spent a lot of time, and I think I talk about this on the Kickstarter. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to come up with something sort of that felt unique as far as like science fiction, and so one of the one of the underlying things. Um, in, in, in adventures in the material sphere or in how the faraway land universe works is that the universe itself is sort of made up of this resonant music that was left over after the creation. And when I came up with this, I was really heavily reading um, Tolkien's The Cimmerillion. Mm -hmm. And I love this idea of like this creation. I love the idea of creation mythos. Um, and I also loved Tolkien's idea of this like um, sort of music that was used to create the universe. And so I was like, well, you know what, um, if I'm going to steal something, I might as well steal from like, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien. So I had this idea of what if what if this resonant music sort of continued to exist in the universe? And then what if there were some people that were able to hear it? And then what if there were these people that were able to harness that thing? 
And so that's really where the idea for space travel and, and far away land came from was this idea of you can capture this sort of music in the universe. And there's these people called virtuosos who operate these giant cosmic organs that are on these spaceships. And this music is caught in what's called a harmony drive. And it looks like a giant sort of uh, this pipe organ with all these bins and folds of these um, pipes and, and, and chambers in it. And that music gets caught in this, uh, this harmony drive. And then the uh, virtuoso wearing big headphones can hear this and they operate this uh, this giant cosmic organ that allows them to basically rip material space uh, and enter into this realm of second space and sort of move through there uh, much faster than they could in material space. So it was a way, again, it was a narrative device to get around faster than light travel um, so that you could cross like, you know, even if you're traveling at the speed of light it still takes you, you know, 100,000 years to go from one side of the galaxy to the other. How do you get around that for the sake of narrative and plot? And, and that was really sort of, you know, I don't want people to, I didn't want people to have like, you can be anywhere you want at any time, you know, it's not a TARDIS. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted to have some sort of unique mechanic and unique physics uh, that allowed them to sort of, um, traverse vast distances, and, or at least to give the uh, the feel that that's what they were doing. So that's one of those, I guess, if that answers that question. Yeah. So let me. So with this here, this seems to be, and because you're a, you know, a, you create a lot of things. You, you as we we're talking before in the air, you, you did some comic strips. Um, you write. What made you decide to make this a role playing game instead of a say uh, a, a web comic or uh, a, a, car, a comic book or just like a, a series of writings yeah so i think that like for me um i i think i've done like illustration and, and writing for such a long period of time now that i don't really have a distinguishing thing between those two i don't feel like they're really that different for me anymore hmm. and um Far Away Land is essentially just like a big world building exercise. And I was like, you know what? I want to I want to build this really big world and I need to understand it. Uh, and in order and in order to write stories in this world, I wanted to first build the world. So that's I guess that's what I did for the last five years. And I was like, I'll make a role playing game out of it, too. And that way I can like let other people play in it. Uh, but I think the thing that I love about like doing something like this is that with a, a like a role-playing game, um, if you're the sole creator of that, I get to do like all of the illustration, I get to do all the writing, I get to do the the, uh, the editing, I get to do the layout, I get to do the play testing, I get to mess with the mechanics, I get to build the world, I get to do all of those things. And they're all sorts of things that I really love. And then the other part is that I love playing games so that I can like participate in that world uh, with other people. And I don't know of any other sort of art form that really allows for that, um, allows me to like put all of those different things together and allows other people to come in and experience those things uh, and us to do that together. And that's that's really one of the things that I love about like role playing ever like role playing games ever since I was a kid that it just incorporates all these beautiful art forms um, and you can make these really amazing uh, emergent worlds that you get to play with and your with your friends. I think it's just a really neat art form. Right. And how, and so, so talk to us a bit about here the uh, if if somebody asked you you know if, if they you know they down you can, they can download the quick start rules for playing Far Away Land on uh, drive dot com, 
but or they can also just see that and see that link through going to faruniverse.com uh which seems to be the hub of of the your far away land books what basically is the for our audio listeners what basically is the uh the 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 mechanics of far away land that is unique for this yeah so it's a it's a dice pool um sort of a simple dice pool where you roll uh you basically have three stats in far away land and each of those stats has a number associated with it they're all single digits um and then you may also have like a boon which is like a skill or you may have a flaw and that gives you that modifies that stat or it's connected to that stat and so what you would do is you would take whatever that number is for the stat and whatever the number is for that boon and you would roll that many dice and then from from that d6 pool what you would do is you would keep the uh you would keep the high die that you rolled. Um, and there's special rules for some stuff. Like if you roll two sixes, then what that second six would add a plus one. So you would have a seven. Uh, so that's really the whole uh, base mechanic. And then you take, and you take whatever that roll was and you compare that to a, a set target number, uh, you know, a target number of depending on the difficulty of the, uh, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, or you uh, compare it with an opposed roll. Uh, and then whatever's the highest uh, equal to or higher wins. That's really the that's really the entire mechanic for the game. <laughs> so, uh, for folks that were, are thinking about, hey, I want to design my own ro role playing game. How did you? How did you design? So you you kind of create from you kind of created the world first, and then kind of created a system to put into it. Um, how difficult or easy was that to create a, um, a a game system inside of it? I think, you know, I I listened to I listened to somebody talk. Um, and I won't, I won't call them out here because I actually agree with what they said. I think it's actually, I think it's, I think it's smart to use an existing system. <clears throat> and I wonder if I went back and redid it, like, and started over with it, if I would use an existing system. I like, I, I do like the faraway land system. I think it's, I think it's really easy. You can, you can pick it up really quick. You can play uh, with, you can use it with people who've never played before. Kids can pick it up and play it pretty easily. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of games out there. And when people have to learn a new system, even if it's something that's uh, even if it's something that's simple, uh, it still takes there's a learning curve to that. And a lot of times, you know, people are working and doing all these other things in life and they don't necessarily want to uh, pick up a new system. So um, I don't even know if I answered that question. I don't even I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the, so the question: How did you how did you design it, and were you did you have to play test it at all, or or how did yeah? That so that was really the main thing is like figuring out what's the the core mechanic, and uh, the way that I always thought of it was like sort of a hub, and then attached to that hub you have sort of modular systems, so that if you if you figure out what that core mechanic is, and that core mechanic has some balance to it, um, and that balance can be that's that's sort of a vague. Uh, sort of a vague term but i think that it, it was balanced the way i wanted it to be balanced i didn't want combat to be too swingy i didn't want combat to go on too long um i wanted it to have like an old school feel uh i didn't want um i didn't want characters to feel like they were invincible i want you to feel very vulnerable I, when you make a character in faraway land i want you to feel finite <laughs> like mm. um so i think the idea was you know, get a get a core design uh, uh, and then add modules to it because and it's really that idea of um, where you where you know a system works and then you add another system onto that. And then once that system works, so you're not designing everything all at once, you 
you know if something's broken, then you know all these pieces that already work. And then um, uh, whatever whatever's broken, it's probably the most recent thing that you've added on to that. And that's really how I went about doing that. So let's 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 uh, let's have you put on your artist hat for a second here and talk about your artwork. Uh, I am uh, I love it. It's I've I've never seen something that has so much gritty high fantasy sci-fi, but so accessible where it's uh, it's engaging to to all ages. And it's it's the color. It's the way it's the way your artwork is. It's it's, it's yeah. It's it's accessible and beautiful at the same time. And so I guess my question for you, Dirk, is first of all, how do what, what do you use? Is it is it uh, is it do you draw everything out in pencil or or is it all or is it all on like a, a tablet or Photoshop? How do you how do you work on that? Yeah, so in the in the Tome of Awesome, everything was uh, Tome of Awesome is the original core book. Um, everything was done. I, I drew everything by hand and then I, I scanned it all in and then I went over it in um, uh, uh, vector and then I dropped that vector into Photoshop and then I colored the whole thing in Photoshop. And so doing a doing a drawing for the Tome of Awesome, one drawing took forever. Uh, it right. would take it would take days to do it because I couldn't just go through and like figure out the composition and just sketch the whole thing out. I mean, I, I didn't really work like that at that time. So it just took forever to do the art for that. After that first Kickstarter, the first thing that I bought was a uh, with well, with whatever money was left over. Um, I bought a tablet, uh, a Samsung tablet, and that's what I draw. I draw everything in uh, Sketchbook Pro now, and I color everything in Sketchbook Pro. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so just uh, any tips and advice for folks looking at that? What would what what was a what was a mistake that you made that you're you're glad you learned from from early on? Um, so I'm a big proponent of this idea of fail fast of like mm -hmm. make mistakes <laughs> and, and quickly learn from them because that's basically like when I look back, like that's what life is. It's a bunch of failures that like you really learn, like you're troubleshooting life as you go along. So, right. um, I'm troubleshooting my life. Uh, <laughs> it seems like such a crazy concept. Um, but I think like the idea, like the big thing that I learned was workflow. Um, how do I, how do I get into a workflow? Um, and bouncing back between writing and, and drawing really allowed me to do that because if I was like, I'm not sure where to go with this, with this writing piece, uh, I need to do some artwork and then I would go through and do the art and then I, and then I come back and I've had time to let that writing breathe and I can sort of think about it and then return to it and it's fresh again. Same thing with the art. Um, but I think the really like figuring out my, what my workflow was, what felt good to me. You know, when you, in, you, when you enter into something new, you're sort of discovering that thing. So if you've never drawn a picture before, the first thing that you're sort of figuring out is how do I hold the pencil? And it, and it makes everything more awkward. It's like walking up or down stairs, you know, we just sort of do it. But if you're thinking about how your knee moves and your ankle and how your foot lands on each step, everything becomes incredibly complicated. But, and if you're doing it for the first time, it is like that. But after you do it for a bunch, then you sort of get into it. And so I think one of the big learning things for me, one of the big learning curves was learning what my own process was when I put together a three or 400 page book. And I got to, so, and, and the, and, you know, looking through all this stuff and the, the, the characters, the NPCs, the races that you've created, how, what's your, what's your process? Like when you, 
when you sit down, do you, do you, do you draw first and do you draw out races? It's like, all right, I'm going to make this up now. Or do you make it up as you write it out and then say, all right, now I'm just going to see what this looks like. How does, how does that work for you? Um, I think lots of stealing. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, I think, I think, you know, uh, like the picture that you've got up on the screen there, uh, I believe that's the image that was in the original, uh, like the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide, and mm -hmm. I sort of use that as like the uh, the premise for that. For one thing, it's like when when people see things that are familiar to them, uh, they form this tether to it. They have this sort of emotional or maybe even nostalgic connection. Um, some of the some of the stuff, some of the characters come from just like. Uh, things that I, like for example there's a there's this race of these giant robots called 10 times 10 men and there was this wu-tang song where they have this line 10 times 10 men uh and um i was like yeah what if you had this giant robot that was like the strength of 10 like 10 men times 10 men and um another example is like adventures in the material sphere there's a race of people called edgelords um <laughs> and and i wasn't I wasn't like super familiar with what edge lords was until I was like in a class and like students were like, yeah, it's so edgy, so edge lord or whatever. <laughs> and I went and looked it up and I was like, this needs to be like an entire race of people <laughs> like, or an entire species of these edgy people. So, uh, so it's really just like a mix of stuff. And then some of it comes from pop culture. Like there's these care, uh, these, these people called the Zordrus, um, and they're based on this uh, Sean Connery movie from the '70s called Zardoz, um, where he wears these he wears these like red Pretty Woman hooker boots and these like bandoleros. And, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's what they're from. And they've got like ponytails and these like you know porn star mustaches and stuff. And that's really what the influence was. And so, do you come up with the idea, then draw it out, or in basically? Yeah, I think it's about 50 50 for Is me. I, I think that, like, some, sometimes I'm just drawing, or I'm like, you know, I'm watching like Zardoz, and I'm like, that needs to be, I, I want something like this in here, and then I'll do it, and then I'll be like, let's stat this out and figure out, and then figure out how I can like shoehorn this into this already like completely messed up universe. <laughs> because <laughs> you get, because you have all these like, like, is it the nine, nine different spheres? Is that. Is yeah. that what it is? I think I remember seeing that map you have on here in your first <laughs> book. Hey, folks, I just wanted to take a quick break and say thank you so much for listening and watching Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. If you can, please subscribe. If you can, hit the like button. Go ahead and leave a review on your favorite podcast app that you might be listening to this on. And remember, always, always support local artists, support local writers, support independent creators. It sure does mean a lot to them. And we will be here at Story Comic to make sure that their voices are being heard. Thank you. What would you say is like the, the default race that you have on here? Um, uh, you don't have, it's not really humans. Yeah, I don't think there's a default race. I didn't, I didn't want humans to be like humans right. aren't like a, a dominant species in faraway land. I think that I think that humans are necessary for the connection for a lot of people because it's difficult for us as humans to connect to things that we're unfamiliar with. Right. Um, and, it, and it has elves and dwarves and that sort of stuff, but there's not a lot of sort of um, 
I guess, like fantasy trope races uh, in Faraway Land. Most of it's really sort of proprietary to Faraway Land. I would I would say that like my favorite I, the, my favorite species in Faraway Land and what I see as the dominant species, at least on the world of Faraway Land, are the orca. The uh, um, yeah. Yeah, like the, the pointy-headed, yeah, folks. cyclops. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really sort of they're really my favorite and one of the first things that I came up with. And we had, and I tell you, when I when I first read, when I first got the you know your tome of awesome, I went straight to the back and read the cosmology and the, okay. and the history and the timeline because it's that sets it up for me to really and and I and I, and I got to add so my next question is like. When you're when you get into a zone and you just start like typing away or writing away, do you go back and because the creativity starts start spinning and spinning and going? Do you ever go back and reread your stuff like three months later? I'm like, wow, that was really good. I, I like do you impress yourself on some of the things that you come up with? Not to, to humble brag, but do you yeah. do you read something like that was that's pretty cool? Like, <laughs> I think. I, yeah, I think so. I think sometimes I think that I think a lot of times I spend so much time with it before it ever lands on the page where I'm right. just sort of I'm, it's sort of so familiar to me at that point that it, it's it's familiar. Like part of my process is I've really just got like this compost pile that's constantly like going. And by the time it comes out on the page, I'm so used to it. I do know. I do know. Like you had that picture of that giant space tortoise, and I'm. That's something that I actually really love. Are those giant space tortoises and how they, sort of how they're how they're born and how they um, merge with the star when they die and, and form a sapient star. It's some, it's like a story that I was really, um, I was really like sort of proud of myself for like writing that story. Um, that doesn't happen a lot, but like there are times where I felt like man, that's, that's sort of a unique idea. I really kind of love that thing. <laughs> Even if it is a giant space tortoise that like dies by merging with a star. <laughs> it, and so what made you decide as well as like, so um, just from a, just p putting on your hat from a Kickstarter and just like a, a world building um, as a, you know, the, the caretaker of the far away land universe. Uh, how do you set yourself up to, to make, that your expansion books because you, you mentioned the one book that i don't have is from uh is from your ideas from uh from new zealand um do you kind of follow a pattern or do you see uh do you have like a, a, a box a list of ideas You're like well i gotta put these somewhere someplace so let me just make something later um do you have a list in your head of like uh, upcoming books as well yeah i think that adventures in the material sphere it's like it's almost 400 pages. It's over wow. 300. It's over 360 illustrations, and it was just. It got to the point where it was just because my my wife told me she was like, "You're going to have to like come to a point where you stop adding to this," because I was less like, "I need to put this in here too." Um, I do have a list. Like after I saw, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Barney, the um, most recent Mad Max movie. Um, uh, what is it? Fury Road. Have you right. seen that? Yeah. Uh, so after I watched that movie, I was like, you know what? I want a Mad Max world for Faraway Land. And so I, I was in like the very beginning stages of Adventures in Materiosphere. And I was like, nope, uh, you know what? I'm going to set it to the side and I'm making Mad Max world for Faraway Land. And I did. And I, and I wrote out like 
I've got a ton of stuff and I've got a ton of artwork for it. And then I was like, no, you know what? I actually need to focus on adventures in the materiosphere. And then that project sort of got set aside uh, after after my fan uh, fascination with Fury Road, uh, like sort of like, you know, went away for a little while. Right. So I, I don't really have like a, a plan as like, this is what's coming next. I've got a bunch of stuff that's like sort of in different phases, um, you know, a savage world where uh, that's very sort of similar to a, a setting that I love from D&D Dark Sun. Um, uh, and then, a, you know, the Mad Max world. And then um, I, I, I've got a couple ideas and a bunch of stuff written on these things. But right. I don't have any plans. There's nobody there's nobody at this wheel. It's just rudderless. <laughs> so how how territorial are you on this? Have you had any readers or people like, hey, Dirk, I got some good ideas. Can I write something, a supplement? Have you said, let me hear about it? Like, no. Don't touch it. Thank you, though. Yeah, I, 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 I fall like I don't know where I fall on this. I feel like I've spent so much time with it that uh, that it's mine. Right. But at the same time, like I've enjoyed working with I, I've enjoyed working with Colin on stuff, too. It's really nice to work with somebody else to get because because Colin um, knows a great deal about New Zealand and um, was able to like bring a lot of new stuff to the table. And I don't think if, if it would have been me doing it, that the book would have been done or that I would have been able to bring those things to the table because I'm just sort of limited in what I'm able to consume mm. and then what I, and what I'm able to synthesize and, and sort of compost. So, right. um, yeah. And so, so I guess my, my, my next question is, uh, um, you know, related to that is what do you have as, all right, let me. Uh, I'm gonna timestamp this because I, I got. I was thinking about asking two questions at once, and then I get my head stuck out here. So I'm, I'm gonna edit this part out later, Dirk. Don't worry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if we were live or not. If this was in live, like where there's people watching, or is this live being recorded live? I wasn't really sure. Oh yeah, we got we got a few people watching. Oh okay. All right. Yeah. So what I do is I do it. It's live, and then then I do is I I I clean it up, and then when I what I post on on like an edited version of YouTube. Okay. on there later so cool um so then let's uh so so dirk let's talk about the kickstarter let's 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 dive in and, and and chat about this and your your pledge levels and and all this kind of fun stuff what i like about what you do this is your this is your seventh or eighth kickstarter mm -hmm. that you've done i think so yeah and what do you want to kind of talk to people a little bit about what the what, what they can expect from the pledge levels yeah, so the pledge levels, uh, this Kickstarter is really for just sort of getting Adventures in the Materiosphere out there. And um, you can get it as a PDF, paperback, and hardback, just that book. Or you can also get the uh, entire sort of collection of the original uh, Faraway Land uh, books. That would be, I think that's all seven books. Um, so both of those are available as PDF, a paperback, and hardback. And they're available to uh, domestic and international backers through two different things, um, two different ways of distributing those. The domestic domestic backers, well, if it's a digital reward, of course, you'll just get it digitally. But if it's a if you're a domestic backer and you get a physical reward, it'll be distributed. It'll be sent directly from drive through to drive through RPG to you. And then if you're an international backer um, for a physical reward, what you would get was it would be a at cost coupon for ordering uh, the books just because at this point um, 
shipping. Uh, it's right. just I, I'm, I'm just afraid there, there's so much going on and I, I don't like to do stuff that's super out of my control when it comes to like sending things to the mail and like internationally. Um, having lived international, I know sort of what like books can come look like or like what what things can look like sometimes depending on where you live. So uh, so what I try to do is just make it a, available to as many folks as, as possible, um, as easy as possible. And then to uh, and then to offer it um, for folks who already had the books to give give them a chance to just get this book, or for folks who are new to it and wanted to jump in and get everything, to, they have that opportunity as well. Okay, and so what I what I appreciate about this is that there's no stretch goals. It's basically it's like you get the books, um, and you know no no add-ons. I don't think so, right? It's just more right. There's no add-ons. So if somebody's listening or watching this to say, is this an expansion or is this a standalone book? Can I just buy this or do I do I need to buy the Tome of Awesome? No, this is a standalone book. This is a core rule book. It's, you know, 380 plus pages. It's um, It's got all the rules for combat, character creation, building crews for your material ship, material ship combat, building your own material ships, magic, all the spells. Uh, like 130 different like monster entries. Um, uh, it, it's got everything that a core rule book has. It's basically like uh, Tome of Awesome, but it's got a, you know, it's got the whole sort of sci-fi element to it. Um, so it went, Tome of Awesome is very focused, fantasy theme focused, even though it's got some sci-fi in it. This is much more uh, sci-fi focused, but it has, um, but it has everything a core rule book would have. Okay, but this is playable with with the Tome of Awesome. So you can, is there, was there any rules that you kind of had to change a bit? So is there, um, can people play, you know, like the sci-fi aspect of that and go ahead and like say that the seas of far away land and play the same characters? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely completely compatible. Everything's completely okay. compatible. One of the, you know, I don't want to use backbreaking in like a way that it's not really backbreaking, but one of the really difficult things was, integrating things like when you have a, a ship on the sea and it has a movement rate and then you have a ship in the air or a plane and it has a movement rate and then you have a starship how do you have that scalable and also right. how do you have that to where it's scalable to where it doesn't feel so cumbersome that um somebody's gonna have to like go and, and read like um you know a separate book to figure that out that took a long time to get uh to get that to the point where i was sort of happy with it and um, so yeah, they're all compatible. And so how did you beta test these then? Because you wrote this during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, it was really just done. Like what I, what I did is I just go through and like do a play. I just go through and just play test the rules. And I basically like did that with adventures in the material sphere. So there's not really any new mechanics. So the, okay. the mechanics for seas of far away land, uh, the way that ship combat works is the same way that material ship combat works in adventures in the material sphere. So it really wasn't, there really weren't any new rules that need to be, that needed to be tested for adventures in the material sphere. It was really just sort of, um, you know, the fluff on top of the mechanic, uh, for that book. Okay. So talk to us about, the uh, now just from the logistics or the the design aspect of formatting creating the book so you were explicit in the idea of wanting it to to be at this size and and not like a one of your like larger books and stuff yeah i kind of wanted that 
digest size. These are five and a half by eight and a half. I don't know if that's digest size. I guess digest size is what six by nine or it's, yeah. it's something. It's these are these books are five and a half by eight and a half. I I like the small format. Um, it I don't know if I don't know if I had like a, a thought in mind of like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna do this moving forward with all books. I do know that like I asked some people who had backed previous projects. Um, would you be interested in a full size book? And like people like who collect stuff are like, no, don't do that. It's like, <laughs> it's like me trying to play like with GI Joe's and He-Man, like they don't correspond to size. Like I right. can't, I can't integrate those two things. So, um, so once I did the five and a half by eight and a half, so I just stuck with the format cause I didn't want to ruin, um, I didn't want to make people angry about the book size. <laughs> I didn't want to anger people about the book size. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing too is, they're all color. Did you see a, a a a price difference? If you look like if you were did looking from from a Kickstarter perspective, like what's the price comparison? If you ever did you ever think about man, may, I want to try to save money. Maybe I'll do it black and white or anything like that. Yeah, I mean it's much cheaper. Um, it would be much cheaper uh, to sell the books uh, in black and white, but right. I. You know, I did some stuff with that where I went and with the very first book, um, the very first core rules before the first four books were sort of integrated into the Tome of Awesome. Yeah. And I did a bunch of pages just to see what it would look like in black and white. And like really part of the aesthetic of the game is just this really vibrant sort of colorful candy sort of right. feel. And I so I didn't feel like the, the black and black and white would work for it. It just doesn't have that that feel to it. Although there may be a planet out there somewhere that's like a 1950s planet and the planet is all black and white. And maybe that's what the book should be. It's like 1950s black and white TV planet. And like, that's where, that's what the book will look like. So. Um, is it the gray plane? It's not the gray plane. It's, it's, it's not mentioned in there. It's just, something oh, okay. I just, I just now thought about, no, the gray planes is like sort of this uh, underworld. That's sort of where you go when you die. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's got the screamatorium. I will say that in uh, Adventures in the Material Sphere, there's a planet that the planet is governed by an artificial intelligence, and all of the people who live on the planet are clones that have been living like this for hundreds of years. And the artificial intelligence became corrupted uh, several hundred years ago by these things called soap operas. And so, what it's done is it <laughs> creates this. Uh, so it's it's basically creating these clones and they're all living in this giant global soap opera. So there's like all this backstabbing and like unneeded drama and stuff all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's another that, one of those ideas I was like really proud about. I was going to say, I was going to ask you, is that one of those? That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and and so 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 with that i mean you're i mean i'm just looking at this here your pledge level 35 dollars 35 dollars for an almost 400 page color book that's an amazing deal yeah i'm 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 glad that you think so yeah <laughs> i think so too <laughs> i hope other people do and you get the pdf with that yeah that's amazing yeah and so 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 with that said what was your what are some of the tips that you would give people who are thinking about doing Kickstarters? What are the, what are the things different? Cause this is like, I think what we said, your eighth Kickstarter, seventh, eighth Kickstarter. Yeah. What are the things that you've learned from your previous Kickstarters that you implemented here that you say, all right, this is my go-to. I'm always going to do this. This is the best way of doing this. Um, 
one of the things that I found that was the best is to let drive through, like I have the books printed through drive through RPG because it's just the easiest. They do, a, they do a pretty good job. I've always been happy with them. Mm. And it seems like folks have been happy with those um, to let them do that. I know with the first Kickstarter, I ordered all of the books from drive through. They were all shipped to my house and then I bought boxes. Um, and then I put all the books back in. I put all the books back in boxes, and then I reshipped all the books out. <laughs> and, I, and I realized as I'm like, as I'm like putting the second book in the box, like I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, so that's something that I learned. The other thing that I learned, and I never, and and, and with all of the Farwayland stuff, I always, um, the book is fit. Like the book is finished before I run the project. It's okay. it's totally done. Like there's no there's nothing left to do. I mean, I've got. I've got a couple small things like in the PDF where I'm putting in links and st or like bookmarks and stuff, but um, like everything is like literally done. Like the book is completed and it's just, you know, it's in its completed state. There's nothing editing's done, artwork's done, everything's. It, so as soon as the Kickstarter finishes uh, after the, after everything funds, you know, and payments go through and all of that stuff, really everything will, will get sent out and it really just streamlines the process because so many people, I mean, I'm sure, you know, everybody's like been burned. If you've backed like a handful of Kickstarters, there's probably at some point that you didn't get that thing that was promised to you on time. And, and I don't know, I just, um, I want people to like, you know, people put faith in me that I'm going to like deliver that thing. And so I try to like get it to them and do what I said I was going to do. Right. And, and so how, man, what do you use to put it? So do you, do you format and put together and like use like what Adobe InDesign or what do you use to? put it together um i, I use a, a a program called uh serif plus x x9 i think is okay. what it's called and i don't think it's supported anymore i think now that it's become uh, merged into the affinity studio so like affinity uh, affinity has like the equivalent of photoshop which is really good um app and then they have their equivalent of um illustrator and they have affinity publisher and i think i i, I might be wrong but i think serif plus sort of came became affinity publisher Okay. Or, or whatever their publishing software is. So it's not supported anymore, but if it was up to me, I'd still be working on a, like a Windows XP system that wasn't even hooked up to the internet. And I'd still be using like Photoshop, you know, seven and whatever. <laughs> and, and, and so what are some tips that you would give people if they're looking at, you know, just the actual design of the, the, the putting together of, of a, of a book? Because you must have, you must have worked with a book, the book that size and that thick. You must be worried about some bleed on there, right? And, and the images, does that work? Yeah, um, the way that I do it is I lay out each chapter as its own little book, okay. and then what I do is I lay out all of the text. And because I'm doing it on my own, I don't have to know before I tell the artist what size the image is. What I can do is say. I want, I want this much text on this page and this is what I want the image to be. So when I go to do the artwork, I have this like, I was looking through it the other night and I have this ridiculous like list of all these pieces of paper taped together with has all of these things. It says page, you know, page 245. This is the image. This is the size. This is how many pixels it is in length and width. And this is what I want to do in the image. And then I have like a really quick thumbnail of that. So when I go back to do it, I have a, a good idea. So. And then once all the chapters are laid out, that's when they all get compiled and then like uh, put into the sort of final form. One another thing too, like I, I I love I love about the book is uh, like all your books is 
you can tell that the 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 drawings you put in almost to the point where it's like as you're as you're creating the rules and creating some like scenes you're like yeah like, I, I i gotta i need to draw this this is gonna be fun to look draw like it's <laughs> yeah for sure i think especially that picture you were just showing that's like i'm pretty sure that's like gods of far away land so it's like these it's like these gods that are standing around like this world and like rolling dice i believe yeah it is it's like the they're, they're they're rolling dice yeah the yeah gods yeah that's a that's a like that was one that was hand drawn and then then it was scanned and then it was put in inkscape and then it was like gone over in vector or, yeah uh, in vector, and then it was like dropped into Photoshop. It took like that drawing, like took a ridiculous amount of time, and it looks right. so simple. But for me at the time, uh, it just it took a long time to do that. And then of course you have these homages to the to your yeah. the eight bit video games on here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can just you just have I, I, the, the oh yeah, and here's the your, your cosmos. This is what I was trying to look for earlier. The cosmos yeah. of Faraway Land. There's like. A, like a genuine genuine feeling of like you, you can tell you you enjoy creating this um and and you must so your maps you're making maps on here and everything yeah. and and i gotta so for the you know for for the audio folks you, you know go to go to faruniverse.com check it out you can look at the uh, character sheets the character sheets are also are also great and as you say, it, it's and like you're saying, it's it's reminiscent kind of of D and D in a way, um, uh, but not. It's inspirational of it, but as you said, more of a simple design, especially where how you have your the stats of the monsters and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Uh, and so, so 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 talk to us about uh, you know looking back at the Kickstarter. Um, as we said earlier, you it's. Uh, um, adventures in the material sphere is a standalone you you can have that specifically uh and you can as well if you want to is like you know you can get the paperback bundle you can get the the entire series and as i say for an amazing price so if you put all the pages together on here what are you talking over like a thousand pages yeah i think it's around 1200 or so pages 1200 pages and then looking at it from from that perspective is um if, if you're looking at it from like the the entire uh so 110 dollars if they wanted 1200 pages of paperback yeah color paperback 100 and 110 dollars yeah plus the pdf right yeah. Jeez, Louise, man, Dirk, how? So you're just <laughs> this. That's amazing. That is, yeah. I don't. That's probably the best deal on Kickstarter right now. It's got to be. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, like the goal is like, you know, to get to get the book out. Like, I mean, right. it's, and to not, and to not like try and, you know, I'm not. I know I'm not going to get rich from that. I didn't like start designing. I didn't start designing Far Away Land because I was like, man, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire. Um, <laughs> uh, it was really just, you know, it's like, I mean, for me, like, I know people say this about stuff and I and I believe them when they say it. Um, but for me, it's like an obsession. Like, if I don't get it out, like, I feel um, if I'm not drawing, if I'm not writing, if I'm not creating something, I start to feel like I'm sort of suffocating and I'm stagnant in that thing and that I and I can't move and I get depressed and 
um, it's just sort of bad overall. And it's an actual like depression and all of that stuff that happens. So, right. And also I look forward to it. You know, it's that thing that in the morning I'm like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to draw these, this anthropomorphic mouse that's like holding a laser pistol. And I'm going to draw this dude with a paper bag on his head. That's dressed like some sort of like weird Spartan warrior. And I look, I look forward to doing that. Cause it sort of gives me that thing of like, you know, I get up and I have that hope of being able to do that. I love doing that. So you, 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 you make these characters like now I got to figure out how this fits in the game. Like you just yeah. like invent races. and like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you know, the guy there with the bag on his head, uh-huh. Um, there's a pink, there's a pink Floyd album called animals. And, um, in one of the songs, there's a line that says wave upon wave of demented Avengers march cheerfully out of obscurity into a dream. And so those, those characters are called demented Avengers. Um, and, <laughs> and it comes from that song. And I was like, when I was listening to that song, I was like, man, demented Avengers, what would these look like? Oh, of course they would look like Spartan warriors that have like a grocery bag with two eye holes cut out on their head. That's, that's what, <laughs> That's what Roger. That's what Roger Waters and the band were talking about when they wrote animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 next steps for you, Dirk. What is your? Uh, as you mentioned, you're looking at. You kind of have this ode to Mad Max um, expansion process on there. Um, is there any ideas of doing? Uh, uh, you know, maybe some more expansion books specifically on different um, uh, different spheres, different worlds as well. Yeah, there's. I've got some. I've, I've got some of those things in the works. the The main the main project moving forward out of this is the. Um, the I'm doing a, a graphic novel with a, a friend of mine that's based on Faraway Land, where it's okay. just. Um, and that's. I think that's sort of the direction that I'm going to go for at least a little while is to start doing some stories. I, I wrote a novel last year, for Faraway Land. It's a middle grade novel um, about an orca and a little girl and a simian. And they go on these adventures, very episodic, where they battle Bulgo cats and go to the Bulgosphere. And, uh, you know, they go to the uh, this other continent and they have all these adventures and like go to these undead dwarves. And there's all this stuff. So that's that's one thing that's that's completed. But the I think I want to start doing um, I want to complete this graphic novel that I'm working on, which is about a. Uh, uh, a finder who is basically like a private investigator who's um, trying to discover who did what, like who murdered someone in a city called it's the city's called Oricon. Um, and it's a, it's on the map and one of the maps, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's just going to be like a graphic novel about far away. Yeah. It was that, that we were talking about that, that novel, was that the thing that's on your YouTube page that you're the narration you're doing on the YouTube page that you have? Um, so yeah so that was like from several years ago where i was doing sort of like this youtube like thing with um you know drawing and and, and sort of illustrating it and then like doing this voiceover um it was just super super time consuming to do that i mean each one of those things would take me like just hours and hours to do that like to do the recording and to do the script and to do all of the artwork and then to put the whole thing together it was just it's just a, a ton of effort. And so what I did was I decided I'm going to take those stories. I'm going to compile them into a, uh, I'm going to compile them into a novel. And that's what, it, that's one of the things that I did during the pandemic was write that novel. Okay. All right. Cool. While I was writing adventures, in the material sphere. <laughs> How do you fit the time in? That's the other question. I mean, it's just like, it's just, that's what I'm doing. 
I mean, really, that's just what I'm doing. Like, I just, I'm not really, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I don't really like, I mean, last year was really nice, like for people who are introverted because we didn't have to hang out. Like, I was like, I'm cool. I can live in this basement all year. Like, I don't need to be around people. It's all right. So I just had a lot of time. Right. So if if, if people want to kind of follow follow your stuff and, and learn more about it, what would be the best, what would be the best place to do that? Um, probably not far universe. Cause I like never update it. I'm terrible. So I'm terrible on social media and everything. Follow it on, <laughs> follow on Facebook, um, far, okay. far away land on Facebook, or you can go to far universe. Um, every now and then I, I do update there. Okay. Uh, or they can, yeah, probably Facebook is the best place. Like I know that's like, you know, grandpa's social media at this point for a lot of people, but, um, that's where I do most of the stuff. I'm just, I just, I'm not into social media too much. I just don't really interact with it well. Right. And I don't know how to use it. It's like we were talking about before when I go to the gas pumps, I'm like, how's this gas pump work? That's like social media. Social media is like a <laughs> gas pump to me. It's like an unfamiliar gas pump at this point. <laughs> okay. So, so the, the best place is probably go to check it out. Go to the, the, the Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, Okay, far away land RPG. Okay. Yeah, and and if you go if they go to faruniverse.com, then on that page there's a bunch of downloads. So if you go to the download section there, um, you can actually download the quick start rules, which are totally free, and it has all the rules that you need to like get started. It also has like character sheets, and then it has all it has like 15 or 16 adventures, and they're all they're all totally free. Wow. Also on that page uh, or on the website is a wiki, and if you go to the wiki. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Faraway Land Wiki. It's got like a bunch of the. Uh, if you go to races and monsters on the wiki, it's got a bunch of those listed, um, and it has they're statted out, and it has their uh, it has their uh, illust illustrations with them, or their pictures and their stat box and everything. So, oh, and there's awesome. a and there's a giant space slug. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is this is great, Dirk. Uh, and and please, you know, folks, it's uh, as of this recording, you got 27 days left um, to uh, to to help back the uh, the faraway land RPG adventures in the material sphere. And as I said, this is the best deal you're going to find on Kickstarter right now. Uh, uh, the price of if you just want the material sphere, or if you want the entire bundle, uh, over 1,200 pages, 1,200 you know full color pages on there uh that's 110 bucks right there or if you just want that and if you're a fan of science fiction if you're in if you're a fan of of any of that any of that stuff you can get the you can get the book itself for 35 bucks for paperback or uh so yeah definitely definitely check it out or as you said there you have a hardback for 45 bucks wow what man that's a that's amazing that's an amazing deal Dirk. so Cool. Well, thank you very much, Dirk. It's been a genuine pleasure to talk to you. Come back on uh, for your next Kickstarter. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I had, uh, I had fun talking to you. It's, it's been nice. Thank you for having me, inviting me, and everything. You're welcome. Stefan Pogue um, up on the wall. You can't see it though. It's like these weird, like uh, heads with wings and like somebody looking horrified. And then uh, there's some stuff from Faraway Land. And then like the frame that's like right here.
Uh, it's from uh, Adventure Time. I was at a I was at a fair once, and um, I didn't even know what Adventure Time was when I saw it. And I was like, I love that. Like, it looks oh, really? so cool. And I had it hanging on my wall for like several months before I ever even knew what it was. And I was like, hey, I've got that. And then I started watching it. <laughs> so did you watch? Did you, you never saw Adventure Time before you started Far Away Land? Um, I saw it like right around uh, right around the same time. Like uh, Far Away Land, something that I had sort of going. Um, I did like a web comic years ago that had a bunch of stuff from Far Away Land, but uh, in about 2014, I started putting it sort of all together into the into the game. Um, okay. But I had a web comic uh, when I was living in Eastern Europe for a while, and um, I was doing that, and I had several several issues of it, but um, I stopped it. And then later on, I, I took that and revised it and sort of like did the whole Far Away Land thing with it. Oh, okay, cool.